welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're speaking with Ernie Alamonte. He is our AGA National President, and he has some uh, great ideas for us uh, as far as leadership during a crisis. I think you guys will learn a lot from this, very inspirational. So without further ado, let's talk to Ernie. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy today to have with us our current AGA National President, Mr. Ernie Alamonte. Hey, Ernie, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Great. Well, we're, we wanted to have you here to talk about uh, leadership as a topic and uh, specifically, obviously, with all the stuff going on right now with this uh, COVID, just uh, a little bit about leadership during crisis situations and things like that. So, um why don't we uh, start off first, actually, just to introduce you to everybody. Could you just give us a little quick uh, couple minutes on, you know, what you do, you know, for yourself and also for AGA right now? Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, again, my name is Ernie Almonte. I'm a partner at RSM US LLP. Um, we're an accounting tax and consulting firm, and I'm an audit partner there. I basically work in the federal, state, and local government area. And um, I'm, as you said, I'm the national president of AGA, and I'm very proud to be the president. I'm very proud of our members and all the great work that they do today. And, you know, everyone is a leader in our organization, whether you're at the top of an organization, in the middle of an organization, or you're new coming in. You can lead from any, any spot in an organization, and especially in these challenging times. I think it's very important that we shake off the cobwebs. We've never been stuck in our homes, sheltered in place for a while, but they didn't make shifts to stay on the coastline. If you're a leader, you need to step out and lead now. Everyone's looking for, the fall is looking for leaders, and I want to help you all with that today. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into that. So why don't we just start off, you know, what, what is your feeling on some of the skills needed to, to be a leader during a time of crisis like this? Well, certainly um, in any time, but especially in a time of crisis, the top skill that is needed is trust. When followers are looking at what they need, they're looking for someone to trust. But I go through a list of things when I'm talking about leadership is trust always number one, integrity number two, because in order to trust someone, you want to make sure they do have integrity. You need to have empathy for your followers. Followers, you're not a leader unless you have followers, and you need to have empathy for your followers. Communications is a very important skill. I'll talk about it in more detail as we go through this podcast today, but on top of trust and integrity in communication is probably the most important piece to get your message out to your stakeholders to help them um, achieve their goals. Well, I was to say in the final two, I would, well, final three, I would say, is strategic thinking, uh, innovation, and and the last important area would be a bias towards action. It's one thing to think, but it's another thing to do. So you should have a bias towards action, a bias towards getting things done, a bias towards acting. Got it. Great. Um, well, good. Why don't we dive in a little deeper then on, um, you know, communication obviously right now is a huge thing. I mean, we're all sitting at home. We're trying to talk to each other. We're doing the Zooms or the other, you know, the, the WebExes, the Skypes. Um, but, you know, tell us a little bit about communication right now. Well, to me, um, you're not leading unless you're speaking to your followers and you're speaking to the, the group that you want action from. So communication takes place in many forms. We have to remember people learn in different ways. Some people learn by verbal. Some people learn by visual. 
and some people learn by hands-on. And if you are a good leader and you think about the people that are following, you should know how they learn. And some people, you may have to pick up the phone. You may have to use Skype or, or Zoom or whatever, or WebEx, whatever the, the, um, the media is. You may need to do that to have a visual contact. But then sometimes some people learn just by doing things with hands-on. So maybe giving an assignment and have them work on it and give them feedback. And that's the way they're going to remember by actually touching something and doing it. But communications, you can never do enough. As a matter of fact, even like we're doing here with this podcast, it's another way to communicate with people to help them to be successful. But I also, um, in my personal life, every especially during this crisis, and I encourage you all to do that, every single night, I send at least five to 10 text messages and emails to friends or colleagues, just checking in on them to see how they're doing because it is very important to connect with them. And I don't just ask, how are you doing? Because some people just give you a patty answer. I always ask them, are you well? And it's a different perspective, are you well? Because I really want to help them. And that's why I say communication is so important. If you are going to lead, you want to know what drives people towards success. Once you know that, then you communicate to them in the proper way. So I end with this. You can never do enough with communications, but remember, it goes in many different ways. It can be written, it can be verbal, it can be visual, and it could be hands-on doing work. Yeah, I really like that because, uh, you know, I mean, obviously when we're all sitting at the office and, you know, communication means one thing, but I guess we forget about the actual social pieces of it, you know. Um, we're all social distancing, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think we want to isolate each other, correct? Absolutely. It's one of the messages I give all the time is that social distancing does not mean social isolation. You know, as human beings, we need to talk to each other. We need to see each other's face and their expressions. We need to have a sense of humor and laugh and joke the way we did when we had meetings in the office. It's a natural part of being a human, and I think we all crave it. And I even read an article recently about all of the people that are on Zoom or WebEx, whatever it may be, having these meetings, that these um, visual conferences, uh, sometimes you're booking them back to back to back and people are getting fatigued from doing that. So you have to keep in mind that it's good and it's important that we have these conferences so we can see each other's face and interact with them. But it's also important to have a break in between. And there's one other very important piece. A good friend of mine, Mike Ritz, mentioned the other day to me that um, – what we have to do is, if you think about it, when we go on to these virtual conferences, we tend to go on and mute ourselves right away, and then we only hit click that we want to speak when we want to speak. But if you think about it, that's not the way meetings take place in our office. When we were together, we'd have those casual conversations off to the side before the meeting started. So his message to me and his message to many, and I want to pass it on to all of you, is as a leader – unmute yourself and you really should take the mute off and talk to people, you know, not over talk, not talk over people, but get involved with conversations before the meeting takes place and unmute yourself, be a leader, speak up and say something and participate in the conversation. So I thank my friend Mike, cause it was an important message. Unmute yourself, be a leader. I like that. And uh, a little bit more, you know, a lot of us are doing the video conferencing versus just the phone call. And, you know, 
I'm even surprised. I'm, I'm a little more of an introverted type person, so I, I figured I would be happy with just a phone call. But I, I honestly, it feels much better when you do the video call. I don't know. It just adds that human element back in. I agree. And we actually, we're, we're doing social networking using this too. Um, we do it as a family as well. We're just setting up another one this weekend that all our family goes on at a certain time. You can have a drink or coffee, whatever you want to have, a snack. And we get to see each other's face and we get to have a conversation with each other. And you can do that with your teams at work. You can do that with your colleagues. You can do it with your mentors to make sure you're still carrying on a mentor-mentee relationship. There's many things you can do to create social, I mean, to have social distancing, but not to be isolated from each other. And so we can still learn from each other. But I encourage you to use this to do other things like networking with your friends and colleagues. Doesn't have to be all about work. Right. Absolutely. So, and I want to get your insights into something else. So, you know, you did mention, and I totally agree, we don't want to have too many of these meetings back to back to back. And there's a lot of fatigue that comes from that. And I feel even, even just the day to day, you know, it seems like teleworking, at least for me, has been a lot more tiring than I thought it would be. I guess it's because we're sitting at our desk all day long versus moving around. I mean, what what kind of advice are you giving your folks to to kind of lead them and help them not be fatigued or, you know, be productive during these times? Sure. Well, one of the things we have to remember, even we had face-to-face meetings at work, in between meetings, you probably got up, went for a walk, got a coffee, um, but you did something to break up that move and move around. So I encourage you, don't make them back-to-back. Make at least 10 to 15 minutes in between these virtual meetings and get up and walk around. Have some movement. Stand up, sit down. And maybe if you have one of those desks at home that can move up or down, actually stand up during the meeting or sit down during the meeting. But we tend to just sit in one spot staring at a screen, and it does get fatiguing after. It does fatigue you after a while. So I encourage you, breaks in between, stand up, sit down. Um, even if you can put 15 minutes in, you know, do jumping jacks or push-ups or something, something to just move your body so you're not just sitting there. And the other thing I found is that even though I'm saving a lot of time with lack of commuting, uh, I'm filling up all my time with work. And so starting, it's hard to develop a, a break between when you wake up, go sit down on your computer, keep working until you get tired, and then you move on. Next thing you know, it's maybe 12 or 15 hours that you're working at your desk. So you still should have a routine, even though you're working from home, because in order to be a good leader, you need to be well-rested. You need to be well-nutrition. You need to be in shape and able to take on stressful situations. So you can't get run down. You have to leave. So make sure you keep your, take care of yourself, too. Right. So now let's talk about some of the other um, skills or activities that you recommend uh, uh, to us again, as, or as far as to leaders, you know, how to lead during a crisis like this. You know, what you should you be doing? You talked about communication. You talked about keeping yourself healthy. What are some of the things that you're doing and you recommend to, uh, to us out here? Well, a big thing is to be innovative. And I mentioned before about having a bias towards action. One of the things you have to remember, military leaders talk about the fog of war, and they are in the middle of a situation. They're not prepared for this, and they have to make decisions on the fly. Even though you have all this planning, once a war breaks out within a few minutes, 
you're just going to deal with the situation because the enemy doesn't always do it just the way you planned it. They do something different, and now you got to act on the fly. Well, that happens in business as well. You must, you should always have a backup plan, so that way you know if something changes, you can go in a different direction. But, you know, think about this pandemic. We didn't know about this just a few months ago. And so we're doing, we can be planning for the change that's going to take place in our business or our organization, but all of a sudden you have a pandemic. Did you plan for it? Probably not. But what do you have to do? It's the fog of war. You have to survive. You have to um, move forward. So sometimes you have to make a decision, even though you don't have all the information. Sometimes you have to make a decision, even though you don't have adequate training. But you know what? It's better to act and then to learn from that action, make the modification and move forward and act again. But you need to be innovative. You need to work with your teams. You need to collaborate with others. You need to look at other ideas. And I think collaboration is an important piece that comes with this. And as a leader, I, and I have five sons, and I tell them all the time, about, um, I worked at the Pentagon for five years. I had a great opportunity to, to meet Colin Powell and speak with him. And I learned a lot about his style of leadership. And one of the big things that he always said was that, you know, if you're cold, never show it. If you're hot, never show it. If you're tired, never show it. If you're terrified, never show it. Because your followers are looking to you to lead them. So you have to always show all the time that you're in control. Do your homework and collaborate with other people to get information. But your followers are looking to you. And I always talk about what the followers look for from their leader. And they look for trust, compassion, stability, hope. Say it again. They're looking for trust, compassion, stability, and hope. And remember in the beginning, I talked about skills in a time of crisis. And I mentioned number one was trust. Colin Colin Powell always said that if the people trust you, your followers trust you, They'll follow you, even if it's only out of curiosity, because they trust you. Let's see where this is going to go. I trust this person. And that's why if you're going to focus on one thing to improve your leadership skills, it better be trust because your followers listed as number one. I know Gal um, did a study on it, and that's how they came out. Trust, compassion, stability, and hope. I have it in my phone as an appointment every single morning. It's the first thing I read. Trust, compassion, stability, and hope to remind me that's what my followers are expecting of me as a leader. And expecting selfless service, too. Selfless service, you know, putting your followers and your mission above yourself is very important. Your, your followers look for that. They know when you're doing it for ego, and they know when you're doing selfless service. Right. And maybe could you illustrate for us, uh, you know, an example of those four concepts? Uh, I think it's a great uh, way to look at it. So, you know, just on a daily basis, how can you sort of inspire, you know, uh, gain that trust, uh, you know, help folks regain some stability in uncertain times, show compassion to people on certain things, you know, show them some hope. I mean, can give us an example of uh, how folks can do that? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Well, the first thing is, if you ask anybody that knows me, I'm an avid reader. And so I'll, I'll suggest a book. And one of the books um, that I read, was, I thought was phenomenal, are The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by uh, Patrick Lencioni. And one of the things that he talks about in the book is this 
two different kinds of trust. One is predictive trust. That's a trust you have with a longtime friend. So, you, you know, through the years of experience, you get to learn each, each other and how they're going to act. And that you can trust them because you have years of experience. But then there's another kind which sort of holds true for today, what we're dealing with today, and that's vulnerability trust. And that's when you have to trust people with your life. It's a, in the military, it's a perform or die situation. You have to trust this person because you're about to take an action that could affect your life. Well, if you look at what's going on right now, decisions we're making, whether you're making people come to work, whether you're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, whether you're social distancing or just, you know, interacting with people and putting parents, grandparents, and your coworkers at risk, well, that is a life or death situation. So we have to keep in mind about this vulnerability trust. And as a leader, you want to show the followers that you're doing what you say they should be doing. If you should be, use a specific example now, if you should be wearing a mask, wear the mask. Because then that shows everyone that follows you that it's okay to wear a mask. It's not something that makes you look weak or whatever. It's an important piece of surviving and taking care of your coworkers. It's not about yourself. This team before yourself. So there's an example of trust. Compassion, I mean, if you just think about one of the comments I made, and I hope you all, if there's nothing else, you do something like this because it does really help the receiver of the information, is every night I take the time to write either five to 10, whether it be text messages or emails. I just go through my phone and I start going down the list of people I just want to touch base with today. Are you well? Is there anything I can do to help you? How are you, how are you doing during these times? Is there anything that you need? And if you do that, just touch and base with them, um, shows your compassion for them, and, and act upon it. You know, if they tell you they need help and you just ignore it, well, that's not compassion. It's just going through the motions. That's not what it's all about. But by touching people through a phone call, through an email, through a visual, uh, virtual piece, uh, shows your compassion for them. Stability, you know, do you, are you staying calm through all of this? Remember, I go back to Colin Powell, what he said, if you're cold, never show it. If you're hot, never show it. If you're tired, never show it. Terrified, never show it. Well, you could be all those things inside, but you want to show stability. You want to show that you have things under control. You can have those two or three personal mentors or uh, or sponsors that you can have that private conversation. Yes, I'm terrified right now. Can you help me? Can you coach me through the situation? But to your followers, you've got to stand up in front of them and show your, your stability because without that, they lose the next word, which is hope. And I was, um, even when I was the Auditor General in the state of Rhode Island, when we used to have meetings with staff and the managers met with staff to do their review, I told them it is very important to have courageous conversations with them, telling them what they need to know not what they want to hear. But don't ever let an employee leave that room with their tail in between their legs. You always have to provide hope. Then give them the skills to be successful later on. I don't want anybody walking out of a meeting with their tail in between their legs that you just took them apart and broke them down without providing hope and a strategy to get better. Because we all need hope to move forward. I know people say hope's not a strategy, and it is not a strategy. But provided hope gives you something to work towards, and it's very important, and your followers look for that. So those are the four, trust, compassion, stability, and hope. 
That's a great example and illustration too. Thank you. Um, so actually following on from that, you know, hope and then moving on to a strategy, you know, it's interesting if folks have been watching the news, how this thing evolved, it seemed like uh, almost like the reactions were sort of like when you hear about the stages of grief, you know, you don't believe it, then you're mad and then eventually you accept <laughs> it and that kind of thing. Um, because it, it really feels like until very recently, you know, government responses and around the world is is kind of like we're just dealing with a crisis. It's like, what what, what are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to do right now? But I think they're finally starting to talk about, you know, what's the way out of here or what, how can, you know, we get back to normal at some point. So as a leader, again, like I think, you know, contingency plans or even just strategies to kind of get out of the crisis. You know, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, to me, contingency plans are very important. You know, they they should have been done before this took place. But remember, even in business, there's a lot of things that should have been done before you acted. And because most people work on the present instead of planning for the future, planning for obstacles that will take place. But contingency planning is very important. It's important for personal and for organizations as well. So let's start with organizations. But we'll, we'll start with both of them. And first of all, you should start with the end in mind. I always ask people, I always tell people, when I walk into a meeting, before I walk into the meeting, I ask myself, how do I define success? At the end of this meeting, what does success look like? The reason why I ask myself that is because I want to know at the end of the meeting that I achieved success or didn't I? If I don't have a plan of what I think it looks like, then I will never know if I achieved success. So I always say when you're thinking about strategy and thinking about contingency plans, start with the end in mind. What is it that you want to do? So think about this, the crisis. Yes, we're dealing with this now. Like I mentioned, I have five sons. So I told them all, I said, you better start thinking right now about what happens if your spouse or your children get this. What is your plan in case that happens? What is your plan if your coworker gets it? What is your plan if the CEO of your organization gets it? Somebody better be working on that plan now because there's a high probability something like that could happen. I don't want to be just acting on the fly. I know we have to sometimes, but that's something you can plan for. And what do I want it to look like? How are we going to pick up the ball and keep moving forward if something like that happens? So a contingency plan is good for both the downside risk, but also it's very important to we will come out of this. We will flatten this curve and we will move forward. It's just, we're going to do that because we're very strong as individuals. We're very strong collectively as a country. We will get through this. So maybe there will be opportunities when this takes place that we can capitalize on. So as part of that, I look at it just as an example, just like this podcast is I, I'm saving a lot of hours without commuting time. So I'm using a lot of those hours to improve my personal skills, CPE, planning for this recovery. What steps can I take now that make me better positioned when this recovery takes place to excel, to jump, to leap instead of crawl? I can do all those things right now. If you're a member of the AGA, you can start training to become a CGFM. So you can take that exam and have another tool on the toolbox. It's a great example to move forward. But I would use that extra time in order to improve my skills right now. And that's planning for the recovery stage. So that by that time, people look to me as, wow, look at all these additional skills. Look at all this additional training. Look at all this 
new way that this person is interacting at team meetings, asking challenging questions, helping us to move forward. So CPU would be very important during this time. Uh, on my phone every day, I, and it's been for a long time, I have from seven to eight o'clock at night an appointment, seven days a week for the rest of my life, it's in my phone. It says reading and learning. It doesn't matter whether it's either one of them, whether it's learn to play guitar, whether it's learn to be better skilled as an auditor, whether it's learning to be a better father, whether it's learning to be a better, better person in the community. But I set aside an hour every day to improve my skills. I encourage you to do that too. Pick whatever hour you want. And I can tell you, there's many times when someone wanted a meeting between seven and eight. I still have that meeting. I just move that one hour to some other time during the day, but I don't skip it because we all need to improve our own skills if you want to be successful in life. So that's both personal and the business side of contingency planning. It's critical, and it, it's very important that you do that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think we need to keep learning, keep you know, even just breaking up the day, you know, doing something different today or, you know, just getting out of the – the you know the groundhog day repetitiveness that we're going through right now. <laughs> yes, and it's true. It does feel like groundhog day. So Ernie, we have just I just have one more question for you here. So you know, again, just to wrap this up, what can we do right now to kind of handle this crisis? Well, one of the most important things I believe that you should do is I'm sorry to use the word belief, but is develop a belief statement. Um, one of the things I try to do is what is it do I believe in? Because in a time of crisis, you want to know what you believe in. So I'll just give you an idea on how to go through it. Some that I believe in myself. And that's living by my core values, integrity, reliability, independence, and accountability. It's um, belief that hard work wins all the time. Believe in second chances. Believe in playing until the final whistle. To do my job and to do my best. And that will never fail each other. Those are my beliefs. And so some of those things that you can do right now in a crisis is, number one, just be yourself. Number two, learn hard, on your, lean hard on your core values. Like, again, for me, independence, reliability, independence, excuse me, integrity, reliability, independence, and accountability. And that's just be a leader, period. Just be a leader and act. Do what people expect you to do. Solve problems with a bias towards action. Establish and maintain a routine, excuse me, establish and maintain a routine. And lastly, keep a sense of humor. We need to have a sense of humor. So I thank you for this time to talk about leadership in a time of the crisis. But it is time. Shake the cobwebs off. Move out and be a leader in your organizations, in your community, in your family. This is the time. Ships do not stay on shore. They're made to go out to sea. We need to go out to sea right now. Well, thanks, Ernie. This really has been inspirational, and I think we're all going to get some great ideas from this. So once again, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to keep these coming. Hope you guys keep tuning in and listening, and uh, we'll keep you company. AGACGFM.org. If you have some suggestions, give us an email. be happy to entertain that. So until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.